Hey, Texas Values listeners, welcome to the Texas Values Report on this glorious day. Jonathan Covey filling in for Jonathan Signs. Happy weekend to all of you. We have a very exciting uh, news and, and events lined up for you today, along with a recap of what's going on in the Texas legislature. Also, some exciting events that we have coming up at Texas Values over the next couple of weeks. All that and more, but before I get into that, joining me today is a colleague and a, a constant at the Texas Capitol, policy advisor for Texas Values, Mary Elizabeth Castle. Mary Elizabeth, thanks for joining me. Yeah, of course, Jonathan. It's been a busy week. Glad to be on with you. It truly has. Well, look, we're at that point in legislative session where well, I guess the rubber isn't just meeting the road. It's actually probably starting to melt a little bit, especially out after what a lot of people consider to be a you know slower than usual start uh, for the for the legislature and for the session, thanks to coronavirus and the February ice storm. But I'm optimistic, and part of the reason why is because we've seen some truly exciting movement on several of our priority bills uh, recently, not the least of which is the heartbeat bill, SB8, by Senator Brian Hughes. Yeah, that's right. That's been really exciting couple of weeks for the heartbeat bill, Jonathan. Uh, as you know, the heartbeat bill, we like to say once a heartbeat is detected, the baby must be protected. And so most of you who are in the pro-life movement know that this bill is about making sure that doctors detect a heartbeat for a baby and then doing whatever they can to protect the life of that baby. So we believe this is a strong pro-life bill that will save many babies' lives. And if you've been following us, you know that we had a hearing on the Senate version, SB8, uh, not too long ago. It was in March, um, and that was a very good hearing. We heard a lot of pro-life voices, a lot of our partners came out and testified for that bill, and we had no opposition and that hearing in the Senate. And then fast forward, I think maybe just a couple of weeks later, uh, we had the House version uh, filed by Representative uh, Shelby Slauson. And you heard from her last week on this radio show um, talk about that bill. And we had a good hearing there as well. So we have both versions of that bill that have had really good uh, public hearings, a lot of testimony from different angles, from people talking about how they value life, um, from people talking about how they, you know, went through abortion and they now regret that and they want to stand for life. But just all in all, just a lot of support for this issue. And so, like Jonathan said, we're really optimistic that this is a bill that can get passed and that we can protect a lot of babies' lives. Yeah, absolutely. And we had some great testimony on both of those bills. I think um, I think Abby Johnson came out to speak at, at one point, too, and we've had her on the on the show before. Jonathan Sines has spoken with her, but just some uh, just some really fantastic support and uh, for this bill. And uh, we've seen both on the House side and on the Senate side. So we're we're uh, very excited that this bill is moving forward and we're planning on you know, continue, continuing to push it, continuing to talk to legislators. And if you, if you get an opportunity and you wanna ask your legislator as well um, about uh, 
uh, SB8 and talking about the heartbeat bill and whether or not they're a co-author on that bill. You should call or, or reach out to your, your, uh, your state representative or your state senator and make sure they're an author on this bill. We are, we are uh, talking with Mary Elizabeth Castle, policy advisor for Texas Values, talking about a legislative update and uh, talking about the heartbeat bill, which we had some uh, exciting news on recently. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, Mary Elizabeth, about religious freedom, because in 2020, um, Texans saw really an attack on religious freedom like they had never seen before. Churches in Texas and around the country were forced by government to close. Government officials abused their power by telling churches they had to close for months. During, during COVID, you remember, and while other businesses and gathering places were continuing to operate, were continuing to stay open, you know, Target was open, Walmart was open. Um, and one thing we know is that churches provide a lot of essential spiritual and, and mental health support during times of crisis. So it's, it's, not, it's not a good thing to close a church. It, it not only eliminates these critical services, that churches provide, but it also violates the religious freedom rights that are guaranteed to us uh, by the Constitution, in the Constitution, by the Free Exercise Clause. And, and courts have been very clear on this issue. The U.S. Supreme Court already struck down a, um, a government official. You remember um, Governor Andrew Cuomo, uh, he, he had his attempt to use um, COVID-19 to restrict religious freedom, that was struck down. Um, so in, in the legislature right now, we, we have the Freedom to Worship Bill, the Freedom to Worship Act, as we're calling it, SB 26 by Senator Angela Paxton. We also have HB 1239 by Representative Scott Sanford. Um, and we've been working on these bills and they had some great traction. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, that's right. You know, like Jonathan said, it was a crazy year for churches uh, for a first time that I've ever seen. And I think a lot of people had ever seen uh, that churches were told to close. Um, but we know that uh, that's not what the Constitution says. And that's like not a good idea, um, especially in this time when so many people uh, really need that spiritual foundation. But uh, just to recap, like Jonathan said, on where these bills are, so we had two good hearings again on these bills, uh, hearing from a lot of different pastors of a lot of different types of churches and uh, different types of backgrounds, just talking about how churches are really essential. So the details of where these bills are now is that um, we do have the Senate version that did pass on the Senate floor. Uh, and then we do have the House version uh, that passed on the House floor. And, you know, things can get a lot interesting in the House. Um, but you did have bipartisan support in the Texas House of Representatives, which sometimes isn't always expected on our issues. But we're seeing, you know, some representatives we don't really see, uh, you know, sign on to our bills who voted uh, for Representative Sanford's bill in the house and i think that just really speaks to the issue um that you know a lot of people see the need for the church and society and the need for the church especially in this time and so we have that house version that passed as well and so it's going to be an interesting uh 
operation, I guess you would say, of what happens next. I'm not as experienced as Jonathan in this process, so I've never really seen, you know, two similar bills, you know, kind of both pass out of the house and, um, you know, what will happen next with that. But I think we can at least be confident and say that if, you know, you have a Senate version that passed and a House version that passed, then something is going to be passed on this issue of making sure that churches are essential and that we have the freedom to worship, just like the bill title says. Absolutely. And I think, I think you're right. We've seen, uh, we, you know, we've taken votes now on both sides. We, the House has voted um, and has passed out a version and the Senate has voted and they're substantively the same. So, you know, the House and Senate have different rules for how they how they go about passing bills. The House is actually a little bit more flexible. They can allow a bill that's uh, been passed, which is identical um, in the House and the Senate to be substituted and go straight to the floor. The Senate is a little more strict. So we'll see how things uh, work out. I know there are some things going on behind the scenes, people working to make sure that this uh, goes on. But like you said, um, just a lot of support for this on uh, not only uh, in the House and the Senate, but but on both sides of the aisle. So I think we have a really good shot and being able to see some very effective legislation coming through to the governor's desk this session. And so uh, we're we're very excited about that and the prospect of that. Uh, so we you know and, and and it's very important too because we we talk about religious freedom. Religious freedom is really considered to be one of our first rights. It is one of the reasons why this country was founded. It's, it's the reason why it was put into the First Amendment to the Constitution. So it's an extremely important thing. And we, uh, we at Texas Values often talk to and reach out to uh, pastors and ask pastors to continue to lift us up, to lift up this legislation uh, and pray for it, that we can continue to protect uh, the, the rights that we have in this country. Um, and, and so we're very excited about the prospects uh, of that. Um, and, and going forward, we're going to continue working on that. Um, also, part of what we uh, do at Texas Values, uh, and just transitioning a little bit, is uh, part of what we do is, to, is protecting families and pr protecting children. And one of the things we've seen as the, as the LGBT movement has become more exposed to children and it's been become more exposed to them through uh, radical sex education efforts are are uh, attempts to interfere with the biological development uh, of minors and of children. So oftentimes you'll see uh, parents who help their children um, by providing them with puberty blocking drugs in an attempt to uh, quote unquote affirm their gender identity that re really rejects bodily reality and re rejects biological science. And this is, this is profoundly unethical. And you can also see where these children, as they get older, they go to doctors uh, to get um, healthy body parts removed because they believe that they were born in the wrong body and they want their body to match the gender that they consider that they are. I'm not making this stuff up. This really happens. And so you may have heard recently in Texas, there was a custody battle over a young boy who, uh, whose mother wanted to transition him to um, a girl beginning with puberty blockers and then you know, possibly even uh, procedures and, and castration 
um, as a teenager. Um, so after further counseling, along with along with uh, input by the boy's father, it was determined that this boy didn't suffer from what they call gender dysphoria. And, and what we know is that re research has proven that the effects of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones are not risk-free and they're not reversible and they can have devastating consequences for children. So during this session, we have worked with Representative Matt Krause uh, to file a bill called HB 1399. And what it does is it says um, that physicians and healthcare providers are prohibited from performing certain types of gender transitioning surgical procedures. Um, they're, pro they're prohibited from providing different types of drugs and medications that block puberty to individuals who are under 18. And so this bill actually um, went through committee it, it got a vote out yesterday without amendment in the House, which is very good news. And so it's, and, and now it's headed to the House floor. It'll go through calendars and then the House floor for final approval. And then we'll, um, we'll be ready to go to the Senate. So this is a very good thing for Texas. It's a very good thing uh, for children and protecting vulnerable children. And we're gonna continue to work towards pushing uh, towards this goal as well. And uh, I wanted to touch a little bit on, see if, uh, perhaps Mary Elizabeth, if you could kind of um, touch a little bit on our efforts on fair play, because as many of you know, um, we've been working on our, uh, we've been working on a bill for, with Representative Valerie Swanson, HB 1458, having to do with biological men not competing in biological women's sports. So I wonder if you could just kind of give us just a little bit of an update and background on that issue, Mary Elizabeth. Yeah, you know, if you've been watching the national news, you might've come across this. Um, there's been just a recent uprise of a lot of male athletes who claim that they identify as females who are competing in female sports. Um, there've been you know, several clips of, you know, track and field athletes um, where they're just dominating. And you can definitely see the speed difference of, you know, these, you know, fully developing uh, male athletes, you know, just dominating over these females who are actually really good athletes. You know, we've talked about the case in Connecticut, um, the federal court case where these girls, you know, have been training their entire lives. I mean, they trained before school, after school, during school, and they were champions. And then you have these male athletes who were actually in last place um, the year before they identified as females now dominating in their sports. And, you know, it's just simply not fair. And you'll hear counter arguments all the time about, well, you know, if they're really good, it doesn't matter but it comes down to the biology as well. We know that a lot of these uh, biological male athletes, they aren't taking hormones. And even the research uh, shows that even if, you know, they are, you know, taking some type of hormone suppression, even a year afterwards, they're still biologically um, at an advantage. And so we're trying to protect those efforts in Texas because this comes down to just fairness. I mean, the fact that you have, 
you know, like I said, these male athletes who sometimes weren't even competing at a really good level level before, and then they're beating out these opportunities, you know, for females. And, you know, you can't just say it's just sports. I mean, sports are American. We love entertainment. Sports are a way of, you know, not just having fun, but sports, you know, portray a lot of things to young people and just building confidence, giving them something else to look forward, you know, after school and even more so for female athletes, you know, sports provide educational opportunities and they teach them things about teamwork and leadership that they can, you know, use for the rest of their lives. And we know that this is important because we have Title IX. We created Title IX in the 1970s um, so we could actually you know, have opportunities for females to compete like in their own spotlight. And that's when we created the opportunity for female sports. So it's really interesting that we even have, you know, our own president right now kind of backtracking on that female rights issue of, you know, Title IX. And so that's why we really want to support this bill by Representative Valerie Swanson, 1458, um, that really protects female sports um, at the you know, secondary school level, high school, middle school, but also in college um, as well, because that's where the money actually rolls in, where females can actually fund their education through playing sports. Now, you may have heard that there is another bill uh, by Senator Charles Perry, and there was a hearing for that a couple of weeks ago, um, and that bill protects female sports as well. Now, the status of that bill uh, is that it you know, had a hearing, of course, several weeks, and it was actually voted on the Senate floor yesterday. And that was actually a really hearing uh, floor, interesting, I'm sorry, floor vote, because um, you had Senator Lois Kolkhorst, um, while she did not carry the bill, she gave a really supportive speech about how sports was very important for her and how uh, when she was a little girl, they didn't have, you know, an opportunity to play baseball. And so whenever her brother would practice baseball, she would hit, I think, Coke cans um, in the field. And when Title IX was passed, she was actually interviewed, I think, as a 10-year-old girl about what Title IX would mean to her. And um, so she grew up to be a high school athlete. I believe she played, um, I can't remember what sport, I think it was basketball, but in college, she chose to actually play golf because, you know, that's what Title IX at her college allowed her to play. But she just talked about that importance and how, you know, in today's world, if she were to be an athlete now, uh, how that would be challenged if we don't have this bill to protect female sports. And so that was really powerful on the floor yesterday. And so we're definitely optimistic about Valerie Swanson, Representative Swanson's bill coming up in the House, but as we're seeing in the Senate with the vote yesterday, you know, it passed successfully. Um, it didn't pass, a par you know, across party lines, but um, we're really optimistic. And it's just speeches like that of Senator Colcourst um, that really helped this issue and just show that it's really about the fairness and it's really about, you know, preserving what we have already, you know, established through Title IX and through what we have done to support sports, you know, for young girls, but for young people in general. Um, and so we're really hopeful about that bill. And there's going to be uh, a hearing on 
the House version of Senator Perry's bill this upcoming week, actually. So if you want to write people on the public ed health, uh, sorry, public education committee about supporting that bill, then that will be helpful as well. But I mean, the fact that we're having, you know, several bites of the apple with all these, you know, different bills on this issue of protecting girls sports, I think it's really good. And you should just support the issue in general, and we'll see which bill, you know, gets to the finish line. Well, and you're absolutely right. We And you remember the story, and we've talked about this before, of um, the sprinter, the young lady named Allison Felix, who uh, was the world champion sprinter in the 150-meter dash. And, you know, she could run, I think she could run the the 150-meter dash in like 16.3 seconds, something like that. And it was just—it's just amazing the the incredible um, athleticism and speed. And yet that very year, um, the with her all-time best, the uh, I think it was something like 150 or maybe 250 high school boys uh, was able to 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 beat her time. So uh, just demonstrating the biological differences between you know male and female bodies and the unfairness that results when you when you don't allow females to compete in their own sports. And so that's why this bill is just uh, really incredibly important and is something that we've been working hard for and we continue to support. So you're absolutely right. And thank you for that update, Mary Elizabeth. Um, and I want to, we're, we're getting near the end of our time, so but I want, I want to bring a date up to you. Friday, April 23rd, 2021. That's next Friday. That's this coming Friday from 12 to 1 p.m. We will be having our Legislative Advocacy 102. Now, if you remember, we had Legislative Advocacy Training 101 uh, several weeks ago. We went through and we talked about how do you legislate, uh, how do you advocate in the legislature? How do you talk to your representatives? How do you get your point across? How do you do your research? How does the legislature work? We discussed a bunch of different things like this. Well, this is an advanced training that we're offering starting uh, next Friday to teach you how to continue, continue your journey of how to become a legislative advocate for faith, for family, to a legislative advocate for freedom at the Texas Capitol. So if you missed our Legislative Advocacy 101, you can go to our website at txvalues.org. You can uh, look up our uh, video. We have a whole video. It's free to access. You can look that up on our Legislative Advocacy 101. And if you're thirsting for more and you just have to have more and you want to learn, uh, you want to go deeper and talk about uh, things in detail about like committee process. How does the committee process work? How, how do substitute drafts work? Uh, if you want to talk about advanced strategies for searching for bills, how do you look up statutes in Texas code? Uh, we're going to discuss some basic House and Senate parliamentary procedures. We're, pro we're probably also going to give a short update as well on, the, on legislation, a short legislative update and talk to you about how things have gone in the past week. So you can go to our website. You can sign up Friday, April 23rd, 2021. Uh, from 12 to 1 p.m. This is a virtual event, so it'll be completely online by Zoom, and you can RSVP there, um, and, uh, and you can also 
you can also look at making a donation if you're so inclined. So we're we're uh, we're excited about this event. We're excited to offer it as a resource for you. And although we're starting to get to the end of our time, I just wanted to let you know that you can get more information about any of the subjects that we've talked about on our website at txvalues.org. You can also, if you're interested in keeping up with what the legislature is doing on a day-by-day -day basis or a week-by-week -week basis, you can also sign up for our text alerts uh, by texting TXVALUES to 797979. Again, that's TXVALUES at 797979. And you can stay up with everything that we're doing. We, we try to send out alerts on a regular basis. So if something important comes up, we'll send out an alert. You can get it. You can see it on your phone or on your email. So uh, go on, go online and sign up and, and uh, stay up with what's going on in the Texas legislature. Because as the usual host of our show usually says, government belongs to those who show up. And you can show up in more ways than one. You can pray. You can write. You can call. You can email. You can, you can go and rent a billboard. You can take advantage of all kinds of technology. You can sign up with Texas Values. Uh, but I particularly want to thank you for um, how grateful we are for you showing up today, for listening to us speak and, and talk about the legislature. It, it truly means a lot for um, making Texas a more conservative uh, state, a more pro-life state to live in. And we continue to work towards that um, as, a, as a goal day by day. That's what we do at Texas Values. So you can catch us here every week, same time, same place. Uh, Mary Elizabeth, thanks again for being on with us as well. We look forward to seeing you all next time. Join us next time on the Texas Values Report.